to my podcast, Meditate with Samara. Thank you so much for joining in. In this podcast, the intention is to bring inspiration to being stories that hopefully can improve your quality of life, improve your well-being. And today's topic is so interesting and I think it's so important for entrepreneurships, people who have been working, because we're going to talk about the importance of conducting business mindfully. And I'm so pleased to introduce to you today our special guest. I have looked up to him for the past few years. He is Wempi Diotakoto, And Wempi Diotakoto is one of the world's most awarded entrepreneurs. Fortune named Wempi and it's 40 under 40 list with Prestige Magazine following suit. With 20 years of experience, Uda Wempi has lived in many different places such as London, San Francisco, Hong Kong, Singapore, Sydney and Jakarta, drifting business assignments for global brands such as American Express, Microsoft, and a lot of different great names. Uda today is a chief executive officer, chairman, board member, investor, and speaker. And Uda Wempi has also worked with the British royal family, serving as a mentor as Pitch and Palace series to elevate British and global entrepreneurship. Wempi also serves as an advisor at the Global Entrepreneurship Program established by President Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And also to advance social entrepreneurship, something that I would also like to talk about today is that Wempi is a judge of the Hulk Prize established by President Bill Clinton. And United Nations award-winning communication agencies' strategic objectives named Wempi as one of the world's 200 most influential social CEOs in a list led by Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Tim Cook, Warren Buffett, and Richard Branson. Uda Wemby also holds a Bachelor's in Communications from the University of Technology, Sydney, Master's in International Studies from the University of Sydney, and is a graduate of THNK in Amsterdam. Welcoming Uda Wemby Diotakoto to this podcast. Hi, Uda. Hi, Sammy. How are you? Thank you for having me today. I'm great. Thank you so much for wanting to be here and to share your stories and your wisdom and insights. Well, I think I have some stories. I'm not sure about wisdom and insights, but hopefully um, it will be an interesting episode. And you touched on the fact that uh, it's directed towards entrepreneurs. And let me extend that a bit and to say that it actually extends to all of us, whether we are entrepreneurs, whether we work for a company, whether it's a multinational corporation or a local company, or even if we work for the government or the non-government organization, because mindful business is really a mindful work, isn't it? And so that would extend to almost all of us adults. Thank you so much for reminding that, Uda. That is great insight and a reminder that it is not only for a specific person, but also for many different varieties of people and all, everyone basically about how to conduct their work and life mindfully. True, 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 absolutely true. Let me ask you a question before, um, you know, before you start asking me questions, I wanted to ask you about what's your definition of mindful living so I can see if it corresponds or correlates to my definition of mindful business. That's a great question. For me, mindful living is being able to have awareness in the action in the intentions and understanding things as it is and not really judging it to be positive or negative in a way, but really seeing it as it is. So the basis of mindful living for me 
as I conduct my daily life and as I understand and I have learned it is essentially awareness. Fantastic. You know, which means that there's, um, there's no real difference between mindful living and mindful business, except that it more touches on the professional aspects of life, right? And I would say mindful living actually is the umbrella, right? It's we're living, it's mindful living, and business is just a, a, an aspect of that. Now, whether your career and business takes up 80% of your time or whether it takes 20% of your time, that just depends on where we are at in life right? Maybe for a youngster like yourself, it might, it may even take like, you know, 90% of, of your time because you're just always struggling in terms of career and life and survival and earning an income. Whereas maybe somebody at my age, you know, business and work, you know, takes a much smaller percentage of my time because I'm more focused on, you know, bigger and more important aspects of, of living. So um, it does correspond, your definition of mindful living does correspond to my definition of uh, mindful, mindful business and just the, 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 um, the subjects of intent, um, the subjects of action, and also the fact that we put others ahead of ourselves. And when I, when I talk about others, I talk about whether it's people, um, uh, whether it's employees that work for us or work with us, I should say, because I don't like the concept of hierarchies and working for us or whatever. I like the concept of working with us, whether it's employees, whether it's colleagues, um, uh, peers uh, in the industry, whether, it, whether they are clients and whether they are um, just like business partners and customers, because they are all uh, people uh, that need to be considered as part of the ecosystem. But it's not just people also, right? It's the planet too, right? So doing mindful business is being very conscious about whether it's your carbon footprint um, uh, and, you know, all the global travel or, 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 you know, all the fossil fuels that are being burnt by your company. Um, uh, the, impact of, um, the impact of, you know, creating different products um, on the environment whether it is in the fashion industry and what it's doing to our rivers, for example, in Indonesia, our rivers are the most polluted rivers in the world driven by the textile industry. You know, that's just an example, right? Whether it is, um, uh, you know, the creation of furniture and paper products, which is leading to the deforestation of uh, Indonesia's rainforests. Um, and a lot of the world, you know, whether it's Brazil and Indonesia and, um, you know, different parts of Africa and, and, and Asia. So it's not just people, it's the planet also. Um, and every, 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 you know, all of us, we, 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 are, we are form, we, you know, we are part of one ecosystem. Um, so mindful business um, really is putting, uh, see, the, the, the tricky part of this whole subject, uh, Sammy, is that when you talk to an entrepreneur, the real key focus is on survival. It's, it never really starts off on profit. It, it's not about, oh, can I make a million dollars or a billion dollars or $2 billion or whatever on profit. It's, it's not about that. And it never was about that for me when I started my companies. Um, it was really, it's really just about survival. Uh, because about, I don't know, about 12 or so odd years ago when I first started the company, um, what you know, like I, I used my my own personal finances and savings and um, you know my investments that I had 
when I was under corporate, when I was as an individual uh, to start off my company. And so the first part of just business is really just surviving, making just enough amount of money to survive. And when you're in survival mode, you don't really care about the environment. You're not mindful about others. You're not mindful about um, the impact of what you're doing, uh, 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 you know. And so, and so, um, and so, the concept of mindfulness actually con conflicts very much so with the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, because it's pretty much the last thing that any entrepreneur thinks about. And any entrepreneur that talks to you otherwise, other than that, is really um, is really not being real. Um, any entrepreneur that starts off a company and says, you know, I really, um, you know, I'm going to devote X amount of profit towards this social initiative and that social initiative and do all these different things. They're all amazing, but I would question the legitimacy of that. Is that really what the objective is or is that just the PR aspect of mindful business? And that's something that we need to question ourselves on uh, because that comes down to intent. Are you conducting mindful business because it makes good PR or are you conducting mindful business because it's actually good for the environment, it's actually good for others, etc. And so I love a lot of these startups and companies, you know, whether they're the charity water organizations or the two-for-one shoes and sandals, all these different amazing companies. But when you really think about it at the start, it's a very difficult proposition to be mindful as a new entrepreneur. But I, I, I honestly believe it's where we need to go towards. And mind you, my experience is going to be different to the next person. So you may talk to, um, you know, uh, the founder of another company who may have started like Tom's, you know, whatever shoe company or whatever, who's giving, who's, who's selling one shoe and creating another shoe for the other, uh, giving another shoe to Africa. And they may have a different take and different perspective of that. And they may say, well, you know, we did come in with all of that mindfulness and that, all of that intent. And all I can say to that is I love it and I respect that. And I wish that I was like that to start off with. Um, but I wasn't. Um, but I'm learning the path and I'm trying to be a lot more mindful of what I do and the impact of what I do um, you know, for, for future generations. That's great insight, Uda, to broaden our horizon to not only think about people, but also the environment. And I'd like to expand on what you said, especially when we are starting off our business and it's in a survival mode. Do you think they should change their perspective towards more mindful? And because you said that's the direction they should go, but how can one change that shift of thinking in towards doing business and understanding the contents of what the you know externalities that could happen when conducting a business because as you said survival we need low cost we need profit or or just to break even so we can you know continue for the next month and survive but how can we incorporate that mindset okay let me say this uh, and relate it universally. 
you and I, Sammy, are very extremely privileged people to be sitting here, yourself at Jakarta and myself at Perth, to be discussing a concept, you know, the concept of mindfulness is privilege talk, right? It's, it's a privilege. It's, it's a privilege to be talking about this, right? And it's not going to connect to a lot of people, right? Now, here's the thing, right? Is that let's universally take this on. And we, we look at two people, two friends. It might be like somebody like yourself and myself, right? But we come from a low socioeconomic uh, family. We could be living at the slums in Jakarta, right? Are we going to be talking about mindfulness, Sammy? Are we going to be talking about intent and, uh, and you know, putting the river, the planet, the animals? And all? We're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be thinking about how we're going to get that next meal on the table, where it's going to be Indomie, whether it's going to be rice or chicken or, you know, that's, that's, that's survival mode at a personal level, right? It's only once you've achieved a level of success or you're born into a level of income or you're born into a level of society that allows you the privilege to talk about mindfulness that it does actually become a topic of relevance. What you're doing and the areas and territories that you're pushing into, right, is actually quite pioneering. It's not new. You are not the first person in the world to talk about mindfulness, but is an, it is an area, right, that needs somebody like yourself to amplify the concept of mindfulness. And in Indonesia itself, you would certainly be one of the first few people taking this subject on, right? And a lot of mindfulness, and I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an ustad, right? I'm not... Um, I'm not, uh, you know, scholarly, religiously scholarly by any chance. But, you know, as, as you know, I'm, I'm Muslim and I believe in the religion. But a lot of mindfulness actually connects with the religion of Islam. And actually the religion of all religions, I would say. It cuts across all religions, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, whether it's Judaism, whether it's Buddhism. And any type of spirituality, whether you believe in God or the universe, etc. Because at the center, for example... At the center of Islam and at the center of most of these religions is the concept of intent. Intent. Intent is, 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 is the most powerful word within mindfulness, I would say, because it says, okay, so I'm going to do X, right? But what is my intent? Do I, you know, is it, is it profit-driven? Is it socially driven? Is it impact driven? You know, what, what is the intent behind that? Because you could, you could do something and have a bad impact, but the intent was actually good. Or you could do something, have a good impact, but the intent was actually bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so intent is at the core of that. But if you set the intention right, if you say, okay, well, I have an intention to do X because I want it to have an impact of Y for the world or Y for my family or Y for my community or Y for my country, then that's where it all sort of germinates from. So 
the word intent is actually is is is, is extremely powerful. Um, and uh, to go back to your your okay, let let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When 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 have you ever had a good intention that had a bad impact? Have you ever had one? Have, has that ever happened to you? That's a really great question worth thinking about. If I had a good impact, uh, sorry, good intention. If, if you had a good intention, but had a bad impact. Had a bad impact. Maybe trying to help a family member or a friend with their problems before they are ready for it. The intention was to help alleviate their suffering, but when they're not ready, they would be defensive and would say, I don't like what you're saying. This is not the time. And it actually decreases the quality of the relationship. For example, that is one that comes to mind. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, you know what? That's absolutely perfect. You've pinpointed the situation. And you know what it is? You know what the problem is? What is it? The problem is the human ego. Mm. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the only issue here. That's the only issue here. It goes like this, right? Um, when somebody is trying to correct you or improve you, but in effect, it makes you defensive, it makes you aggressive, then the problem is not the other person. The problem is not the problem, but the problem is your ego. It's yeah. like this. Let me give you an example. Okay? Um, let's just say, let's just say I went to a public facility. And this is how I went to a public toilet. Okay? And then I went into there and I... Um, switch the tap on because I was washing my hands yeah and then I deliberately or I forgot to switch the tap off right and then somebody comes back comes up to me and says mate switch the tap off right yeah. it's not good for the environment you know switch the tap off and then after that I'm like no like and then I just walk off so what's the problem here the problem is not the person who's telling me to switch the tap off. The problem is not the fact that the water is running, but the problem is my ego. Yeah. Because my ego doesn't want to be corrected. My, 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 my ego doesn't want my actions or my neglect to be corrected by somebody else. So whenever anybody's, it's like, for example, you know, when your mom tells you, Sammy, don't forget to pray. For example, and you're like, whatever. <laughs> oh, or Sammy, don't forget to um, you know, wash your dishes or clean your room. These are good things. Yeah. Your mother reminding you to pray, that's a wonderful thing. You know, your you know, your your mother reminding you to clean up your room and to you know to to, com to complete your home. These are wonderful things. So the only thing that's in the way of you progressing as a human being you progressing as a more mindful human being is your ego. And that's where you need to check it all the time. Always completely check your ego. And that's something that I need to do too. There's something we all need to do, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, 
Um, and so I feel that the human ego to any sort of mindful living or mindful business, uh, especially when, um, you know, when you, have a, some, when you have a good intention that turns out bad, often the ego has been involved somewhere along the way. Mm. That has, has come to play in some sort of way, which means that, okay, the res end result has not been bad. And sometimes also just, just remember that sometimes people do, when you correct another person, right? When you correct another person um, and you tell them, uh, you know, a family member, look, I, I'm going to give you advice or that person trying to correct me about the tap that I left running or whatever. Sometimes it's the way that you deliver that advice, the context of how you're delivering that advice that maybe uh, they feel is aggressive, is assertive, is not in place. It's like this. When, um, when I have a staff, uh, when I have a team member, right, who has done something wrong, okay, who has made an error, which we all do because we're human, right, I never, I never voice that publicly, right? I never go to all the team members and say it in a group format and say, you know, oh, look, look what you've done. You've done this, that, 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 and, you know, you've, you're not following, you know, standard operating procedures and you've changed this and all that, you know, you've ruined this and you've, you know, all that. I never do that. I always take them aside and I tell them one by one, one-on-one. -on -one. And I'll tell them, look, um, you know, I, you've done this really well. You've done this great. And, you know, all of that stuff is awesome. But, you know, you may need to repair and, um, uh, you, you know, the way that I would do that is like that. And see if you can take my example of, you know, of, of, of improving that. If you know what I mean, yeah. It's like this. Um, if you, okay, many times, husbands and wives, yeah, um, or any partners in any relationship, right? They have a lot of issues because things are not communicated properly, and so it infringes and it steps on other people's egos. For example, um, you know. Uh, why the wife may say to the husband, oh, I hate how you do the bed. Right? It's so wrong. You know, when you put the mattress, you know, the mattress, it shouldn't be like that. You know, like, 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 um, like, you know, you should do it like this and like that, like, you know, whatever. Right? When, when, when a wife, for example, communicates that to a husband, it's going to grate the husband. It's going to like make the husband like really upset or angry, for example, right? But if the wife, for example, says, you know what? Um, uh, appreciate you doing the bed. Firstly, acknowledge the fact that he's doing the bed, right? But I discovered a way that on how it can be done a lot faster and it may look a lot Nita, hey, let me show you. Because I discovered it too. I didn't invent that way to make a bed, but I discovered it too. And so when you show them the way, it's like you're showing them via experience. Yeah. Right? And so, and so um, you know, it kind of, it, it, there's, a, there's the way, how you show people the way. 
because people want to be people don't want to be talked at right people want to be talked to you know we, we want to be communicated with i remember i remember one time i remember one time i was at the gym <laughs> and this is just like an example where it really got to me i was at the gym um and because i do a lot of weights right um but i decided to do you know like you know cardio and and get on the tread and get on the treadmill so i get on the treadmill and i um and you know like and i decided to like hold hold the rails you know i i decided to hold the rail because i was i was you know i it's it's a habit of mine i'm on the treadmill i tend to hold the rails so i don't fall off or whatever right and so um and so my friend comes up to it my friend comes up to um my friend comes up to me on the treadmill and he gets my hand and he and he like slams it like that he go to to push it off the rail and he pushes the left and the right round off the rail right and he goes don't touch the rail because um you know your 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 um you know you're you're doing it the easy way out right you should you should you just just not you know you should you know whether you're climbing up you know those those stair machines the staircases or those machines that go like that right you should just not have your hand on it right because so it burns more calories so it gets your heartbeat a lot faster that's why because when you're resting something on you know one of the side apparatus side limbs or whatever of 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 a machine you're actually not working as hard as you should because you should be doing that sort of stuff right so when he slammed that i got really like like why would you do that for why would you sneak up on me and do that to me and just like you know whatever and then that was the wrong context of him doing that had he come up to me and he said hey wemp and he maybe came up to me on the next treadmill and he said wemp you know what i always used to do it like you too right i always used to like run the tread walk the treadmill like you whatever when i got lazy i used to hold that but you know what um it's a lot better like i found and i discovered that it's a lot better when you just absolutely when you ever you're on any machine don't touch any side railings whatever and just go for it because it makes your heart beat fast it makes everything run a lot better right then i would have accepted that a lot more now i learned the lesson right and so whenever i'm on the stair machine or on the on the whatever i'm very conscious that i never touch the side railings at all right um and it does make me work a lot harder and i always feel my heart working a lot harder but that could have been communicated to me, to me a lot better do you know what i'm saying yeah that's and, great and it's, and it's kind of, it's kind of like parents also it's like you know like like what muslim parents are like they'll tell you to pray they'll tell you to pray and whatever right and they'll nag 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 and then it turns the kids off praying it turns the kids off religion and then the next minute they've got a bucket of cold water that they'll just like you know <laughs> spill over the child at some sort of stage of their life to make sure that they pray um fajr and stuff like that right but um you know there are there are more intelligent ways there are more empathetic ways and that that kind of goes back to that all goes back to business doesn't it it's like we don't want to be told how stupid we are we don't want to be demeaned we don't want to be told how dumb we are right walk with us walk with us that's what we want we want we want leaders to walk with us not to you know walk ahead necessarily um but really to just walk with us and show us the way and and by example and a lot and so a lot of mindful leadership is showing by example leading by example not really by you know it's like it's like with children also right you can say whatever you want to children you can say to children you know da da 
da, 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 da. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But when you act a particular way in front of kids, when you show them via actions, then they become what we want them to become in life. And, and so somebody like yourself, uh, Sammy, would have had parents, right, who showed them the way, who not necessarily had to, like, talk at, talk at them and, um, and demean them all the time, but show them the way that, okay, this is how you... So for you, you know, like, <coughs> how you communicate to me and how you communicate to others um, and how do you communicate to others on your podcast is pretty much a reflection of how your mother communicates to people and how your father communicates to people, right? They're intelligent people. They give people time. They give people respect. They give people space. Um, they give people due, um, you know, due honor. Um, and so, and so that, that all that, all these, what we call emotional skills, right? Um, EQ, um, all these things would have been learnt, right, um, and inherited uh, through culture, not through you know being told you know like this is how you do it, this is how you do that, right? That you would have you know they've shown you by example, and a lot of leadership and business is 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 is, is by example. Thank you for sharing that, Uda. In the beginning, you said that you're not sure about giving wisdoms or insight. I'm pretty sure you have already given a lot. <laughs> Just up until this moment, because there are a lot of aha moments that really deep dive into many different aspects that are not just leadership and just business, but leading by example and how to communicate it is so important. And what crossed my mind when you were talking about that the problem is really the ego, from my experience, I'm learning, <laughs> that what I, from what I have learned is that it's hard to really be in check with your ego when you're emotional like it just doesn't really show and put through you're really into the situation so it's always better to calm down after whatever conflict that creates emotion and then check in with your ego your thoughts and maybe reevaluate mm -hmm. what is the better course of communication or action in order to solve the problem that you're facing and I think that's one of the things that we can all try to do a little bit more in many different aspects of our life. Also um, complementing to what you said. Yeah. So great. Uh, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. And I have another question, Uda, one other question is based on your experience, when have mindful living, leadership, business has been a challenge and you were able to overcome it with more mindfulness is there any experience that that has been particularly true in your life yeah i mean i i'm i'm pretty fortunate um uh to have led um a lot of people over these you know years i've had a career for about 20 years so you can imagine that i you know i started from the bottom um as being a you know in, in a hierarchical sense a subordinate a subordinate right um to the point now where i lead a lot of people um, and so I've led a lot of different types of people. And one of the lessons that I've learned is that there's never one size fits all. You can't, I can't, you know, if, if we worked together, Sammy, I can't lead you in the same way that I can lead, you know, your best friend or another colleague or whatever. I have to lead everybody differently. 
Um, and that's one key lesson. Everybody, everybody only takes example or, or lessons through different means of, of osmosis, of, of just um, sponging off you, right? Um, so, and uh, one of the beautiful aspects of, of, of leading is that because of all of the different types of people that I've led, I've led people who are just very career-driven and ambitious, right? Who do anything to like get up to the next level, get up to the next position, title, salary, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, I've led people who are just, you know, pretty like, hey, have, have a good balanced view of life. And that's work, that's life, you know? Like, you know, I've also led people who are, you know, probably not as motivated as they should be, right? Um, and I've also led people that, want to do great things, but are being held back by other issues. And I'll give you an example. So um, uh, one of my team members uh, suffers from deep anxiety, like, like re a really bad case of anxiety. I'm not going to mention names, uh, but, you know, he's worked with me for about six, five years or so, right? Wonderful guy, extremely, extraordinarily talented, love him to death. Okay. Now, one of the good things about uh, myself is that I'm able to, um, from an emotional intelligence, from an EQ standpoint, I really feel for people. I, I care. I have genuine care. I have concern. I have love and I have compassion for other people. Um, and so when, when he first started to work with me, um, you know, absolutely um, well gung-ho and and just doing maximum amount of work within the minimum amount of time and just doing amazing stuff right but then after a while i started to see cracks through the um you know cracks through the wall and you know like in different things happening and sometimes he would kind of like um just like fade disappear and then reappear and disappear and re that's you know like on 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 like an hourly or, or daily basis or whatever sort of stuff like okay well, something's going on here sort of stuff right and then I realized like and I had talked to him and I communicated to him um uh and we had talked about the fact that you know there's um uh about about mental because I would ask him I would ask all of my staff regularly now are you okay are you you know are you, are you okay right um and um he just felt because I had detected something was wrong and something had appeared off, he started to open up to me. And he started to open up to me and he said, um, you know, Uda Wempi, um, just really anxious. I have, I have, and I, I gave him time to just speak. We had a full session where he just spoke out on everything. He said, Uda Wempi, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've never told anybody. I've never told any of my friends, any of our, our colleagues. In any of my bosses or whatever, but I suffer from depression and I suffer from anxiety. Um, and I said, okay, right, I understand. And I said to ask him, how does that manifest itself? And he said, for example, when he catches a train from um, his home at uh, Bogor, for example, um, he sees, like when he's on the train, he sometimes feels like, like, the, the, like the buildings are gonna collapse around him, the houses, and that the train, like things are gonna clap, like, he, and he gets into like panic mode where he starts to sweat and things like that. And so he's never comfortable in um, crowded, like, um, he's never comfortable in crowded uh, stations and crowded situations. 
He doesn't enjoy going to into Sudirman. He doesn't enjoy coming out um, to see me and the team and all that sort of stuff, right? And so I was able to just listen to him completely, right? And then I had to assess from a business standpoint. And I said, okay, do I love this guy enough? Do I believe in this guy enough? Do I appreciate his talent enough? Do I value his talent enough to want to keep him? Or should I let him go? The easiest thing that I could have done was just let him go and say, you know what? Your performance has really dropped lately. We just don't have enough room. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough room for these errors, for disappearances, for things not to be completed and all that, right? That we're just going to have to let you go. That, that would have been the easy way out. But it wasn't my way out. And it wasn't the right way out. Because in all fairness, I love him very deeply in the same way that I love all of my team members very deeply. I appreciate him and I appreciate his talents. I appreciate the human being that he is. And I appreciate the fact that he's struggling with various uh, issues and, uh, and problems that he's struggling with uh, from a mental health perspective, which I 100% as a living human being who has lived around the world, who has seen a lot of people actually believe in mental health. Um, and I believe in mental illnesses and I believe in um, science and I believe that, um, you know, whether it's hormonal imbalances, whether it's genetic, whether it's DNA, whether it's brought on by substances, whether I believe in the fact that, you know, our mental health is as important as, you know, my legs, my limbs, my arms, my heart, all these different things, right? So I worked on a solution with him, right? And what was the solution with him? Right? The solution with him was, I love you. You're going to stay and work with us, right? Because I don't know where else you're going to be able to work at with this particular condition. And as you are, right, you're going to work from home. This is way before COVID. This was like years before COVID. Okay? So, um, uh, so yeah, so from, from years before, he was already working from home. Right? And so like every day on a daily basis he would report to me we would have agreements and, and all that sort of stuff on how we would work and he works from home beautifully you know to the point where you know i i give a lot of my staff and a lot of my team members different benefits so for him for example i've bought a home right and so you know how how happy is he to just to start from zero have had all of these issues for me to understand and now he's living in a home that uh, you know in a house that uh, you know has been bought by the company that uh, you know he doesn't have to pay rent towards he doesn't have to pay whatever and he's just like so these are things that is and a lot of that has to do with intent and a lot of that has to do with mindful leadership because there's always a there's always the escape button the ESC button right Oh, I have a problem with you. What's the escape button? Right? Oh, I have a problem with this relationship, you know, with um with my wife or with my husband or with my partner. Escape button is always the easy button. Oh, um, you know, she had an affair. You know, oh, I'm gonna escape out of this relationship. Right? Oh, um uh my um my team member lied to me or didn't do their work or didn't submit on time. The escape button is always the easy button. The better button is to work on it as human beings, right? Is to really resolve that through communication and say, okay, well, you know, um, 
you had an affair behind my back, hey, but maybe there were many other things that I did behind your back that weren't right, that wasn't right also, right? And work through that together. Because maybe when you tackle one sort of issue, you can build something that's a lot more beautiful within a period of like five years, six years, seven years, eight years, 10 years, right? Rather than the escape button. Because when you escape out of that one button, you're probably going to find that same issue at the next relationship. And then the next relationship, and then it's just like, oh, it's cyclical. So when are you as an adult ever going to solve that mindfully through communication? Do you get what I mean? Am I making sense? A lot of sense and a lot of insights. I just love that story that you have shared because it has shown me to understand that you are such a compassionate person, a compassionate leader that is willing to understand. And that's a quality that is so special, willing to understand people and work through the different qualities with the context. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing, Uda. You're such a beautiful person. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he's, I mean, if, if, you, if you meet him, he's, he's, he's a beautiful person too. He does, he does amazing work. He's very talented. Um, and we are all born with challenges. It's like, you know what? I can't, if I, and, and I, I, hire, I hire a range of different people at a, a range of different cities all across Indonesia, right? So my, my way of viewing that is like this. If I hired somebody who is disabled, and I, and, I, and I have team members who are disabled, for example, you know, one might not have a leg that they, you know, or whatever. Do all these different things, right? Um, um, oh, I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't want that person to come into the office every day to be inconvenienced by that. But I do want that person to earn some sort of income. That kind of goes also for somebody with mental illnesses, right? How do I... Right, as a leader, right, as somebody who has the potential to give him income when he needs income, he needs to support his family. He's a single income earner. If I strip that away from him, can you imagine the stress that he would be under? Right? Simply because he can't get on a train because he feels that things are attacking him and he feels that, oh my God, it's going to be the end of the world today and all these different things. He's not the only one who feels like that. And so what can I do? How can I, how can I, how can I value his talent to such a high level that he feels like, wow, I'm exempt from coming into the office every day. I'm exempt from this simply because I'm talented in, in that sort of way. And I think, I think we all need, I think we all need that because I remember when I was young also, when I was your age, Sammy, I was working for a company called American Express. Uh, I was 25 years old and I went through a quarter life crisis. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Because everything was just way too good for me. I was 25 years old. I was earning a ridiculously high income at American Express. Um, uh, an income that is higher than most Indonesians would even earn today. Right. I was already earning in Australia. I was having a wonderful income. I was earning more money as a 25-year-old than a lot of Australians were earning as 40 or 50 or 60-year-olds then. And I had owned property. I had owned cars. And I was like, is this all there is to life? Like, have I achieved everything that there is? Like, and then from a material sense, from a material sense, I had achieved what a lot of people had invested, all these different things, right? And I had an, a really bad emotional breakdown. It was really bad to the point where I was like, 
well, I don't, what's the purpose of living to like 60 or 70 or 80? But I've got everything that I wanted at 25 and it didn't bring me happiness. It didn't bring me happiness. I, it, it's really true. And it still rings true today. Is that if you're after that, if you're after that really expensive house or that expensive apartment or that expensive car, and you think that that's going to bring you happiness, I can definitely tell you as a person who's had it since I was a pretty young fella, didn't bring me happiness at all. Wow. Possibly because the journey towards that was not mindful, if you know what I mean. There was no mindfulness towards that journey. It was just always about career, ambition, you know, having an awesome business card, having an awesome house here and this, assets. All. It was never mindful. And that's something that why I respect you so much that at your age, you're talking about mindfulness. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, yeah. You know, kind of, you should reserve something like that for, you know, it's like, my boss is amazing. Like my boss, um, her name is Mira. Um, and I should introduce you to her. Um, uh, she was my boss at American Express. And um, she was, you know, always like, you know, I don't know, maybe about 12 years or so old. old you know, like she, she was, um, she was old, about 15 years or so older than me. And so I, that was enough space for me to have huge and tremendous respect for her when I was um, at, at my career. Um, and I still do have tremendous respect for her. And whenever I'm in Australia, I, I, I go visit her in Sydney, right? And, um, you know, she's talking about, uh, now she's gone into the fashion industry and she's talking about, you know, mindfulness in the fashion industry where she, you know, like sustainability, not being a mass producer, like, you know, like the H&Ms and Uniqlo's of the world, where they create a lot of destruction through fast fashion and just like, the dyes, the, the fabrics, all that sort of stuff is really harmful for the planet. So, you know, she's on that mindful path. And a lot of my friends, you know, are on that mindful path. You know, but that's probably because we're a lot older than you. And so that's why I respect somebody like yourself, who's like really young, but already, you know, really thinking about, um, uh, you know, mindfulness. And it was, it's, it's extraordinary. <laughs> I, give you, I give you props for that. Thank you for your extremely genuinely kind words. And I wouldn't be able to really expand my insights and knowledge if I wouldn't have people like you who are willing to share their life stories and their insights through the journeys of ups and downs of life and the whole intricacies of different types of people. So thank you so much, Uda, for sharing. I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But everything else, um, you know, uh, also, Sammy, is that everything is a work in progress. And I'm completely a work in progress. You know, as you know, um, you know, my company has a lot of different products, right? Um, all under the, you know, the Wempy Deoxycoto brand. Um, we have food products, right? We have fashion products now. I'm about to launch furniture, like amazing, like my team's developing, like amazing, like Scandinavian, like you'd love it. You're a minimalist person, right? You'd love the furniture that my team is developing. Um, we have what else? We have health and safety. We have all a range of these different products that are earning our, you know, earning us like, you know, like a lot of money, like million, like a lot of, a lot of money, right? But the path towards being a mindful company is a work in progress. Right, because my company does, we have to have plastic in our products. Right at this stage, because there's certain food products that need to be vacuumed, right, for health and safety reasons. We do create 
fashion, and we do have that particular impact on the environment. We do create, um, you know, a range of different products that have adverse impact on the planet. But what I need to do, what I need to do is possibly have consultants come into the company and say, Uda Wempi, we need you to change these particular processes within your pro the production of your products to make it a lot more environmentally friendly, for example. Yeah. And to look at all of the different processes, to audit my company and say, we're going to do an environmental audit on all of Udawimpi's products and, um, and, you know, and, and fix it up. That needs to happen with my company because if not, I just become another company like every other company who's just like destroying. So on, on the business of mindful business, please don't assume that although I can treat our team members and all these different you know aspects of my uh, of, of our company well don't assume that that's the end point there are so many endpoints in the company right that that need to be improved from a from um you know what sort of charities we support what sort of um you know team members we have the diversity of our company right I, I, for, do you know how how important diversity is for me? It's extremely important, right? I don't want to have a company that is filled with just majority, what we call Fribumi Indonesians. I don't want that at all. And so I actively search for team members who are different. I actively search for, for example, a lot of women in, in, the, in, in my company. So we have a lot of and to think about it, we have more female team members than we have male team members, right? Also, I don't want everybody to come from Jakarta. I have team members from Malang, for example. They work on fashion, right? Team members from Surabaya, right? And they work on our like a lot of our leather products. Team members in Sumatra that work on a lot of our food products. Team members from um, uh, Tangerang. Team members from Jogja that work on our furniture products. So we have a lot of the different areas, right? And different ethnicities too. I want, I want um, uh, team members from uh, Papua. I've been trying to search for team members from Papua, right? I want uh, team members from, um, you know, from, uh, we have Medan, all that sort of stuff, right? From, from Bali and from, you know, all these different. I want team members who are not Muslim, I want team members who are Christian. I want team members who are Buddhist and Hindu and all of all different faiths because we, we don't, it's not about the differences, but I believe that we can all complete each other in many ways. Definitely. And it's something that I don't, and it's something that I don't understand also is that why would, for example, a particular nation not want Muslims in their country? Why would a particular nation not want Buddhists or Hindus or Christians in their country? For example, a benefit in Australia, a benefit in Australia, which is a majority, um, you know, Christian country, right? A benefit of having Muslims in Australia is that on Christmas Day and the days leading towards Christmas, the shops are still open. Not everybody is on holiday because Muslims don't celebrate Christmas. And so they can work on Christmas Day, right? Interesting. So... That that makes that makes sense from a business standpoint to have Muslims working for your company, uh, for McDonald's because um, because when the manager needs to do rosters, well they can have Muslims working on Christmas Day, 
right? And that makes sense also. For example, if I'm in Indonesia, right, and I I own a, for example, I own a fast food chain in Indonesia, it would make sense for me to hire Christians to work at KFC, for example. It would make absolute sense for me to hire Christians and Hindus, right? Because, for example, in at Ramadan or Hari Raya, when all the, you know, all um, Indonesian Muslims are actually on holidays, right, or wanting to mudit, then you can have all of the Christians and Buddhists and Hindus working because that holiday is is not part of their religion or, or part of their culture. And so diversity, when mindfulness um, and diversity is part of the ethos, you, everybody wins. Everybody wins. And so I try to incorporate all that. It's like when, for example, I'm, I don't want to be preachy with a lot of my products. I don't want to be preachy with a lot of my products. But for example, I sat down with a team and I said, you know what, we need to, there are a lot of problems I see with the environment, a lot of problems that I see with the environment. Um, and one of the, obviously one of the big obvious things that, that, that is wrong is all of the wastage that comes from places like Starbucks and, you know, you know, um, you know paper cups and uh, plastic cups and paper bottles and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, and so... And so I, um, I told, I told my, I told my team, right? We need to work on products that eliminate the sort of stuff, right? So one of the things that we launched recently was a, um, you know, tumblers, you know, a, a, a tumbler where you can all, um, you know, everybody can have a tumbler and you can, you know, personalize on all these different things, right? It had nothing. It had nothing to do with, okay. Um, Let's let's create the next hot product. No, because it's it's it, it was created out of the fact that okay, what are all of these little things that we can improve the, the environment, but we don't have to position it as go green. We don't have to position it as all of these different things, which probably don't resonate as much as to, to people as it should, as to somebody having something really cool in their hands that has their name on it, whatever, right? So, um, because not everybody's as mindful as us. So, I'm trying to work on a lot of different products, right? That means that we're not gonna. That means that we're going to be able to, um, you know, scrap. You know, like have no more like you know like wastage when it comes to cafes and stuff like that. So, so mindfulness and what you're trying to achieve and what we're trying to achieve from a business standpoint, right? That may be good for ourselves. We're a lot more conscious of things like that. But when it comes to the masses sometimes that doesn't relate to them, that they look at products from a what's in it for me standpoint, right? What, how, how is it going to benefit me? Oh, it may be good for my ego, right? To have my name on my Tumblr. Okay, well, that's, that's for you, right? Or it may be good for me because I save money because every time I go to Starbucks, if I use my, a Tumblr, I might save 5,000 rupees. It might be cheaper. I don't, whatever, right? So you kind of, do things from a mindful standpoint from a company, but you allow customers, right, to still be in the mindset of what's in it for me, yeah. if you get what I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> intent right there, like really creating products with intent. That's amazing. And True. where can we get your products, Uda? Are they on your Instagram page? Yeah, correct? yeah. I mean, I mean, what, I, I hate uploading pictures. I, I actually... I, I've always hated uploading pictures of myself 
on Instagram and what I'm doing and all that sort of stuff because it's just like nobody's interested. <laughs> it's nobody's business, uh, you know, where I'm eating, what I'm doing, uh, where I'm holidaying. And it's nobody's business and nobody's interested anyway. So I kind of just upload a lot of just our different products on, on, on my Instagram and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and, it, and, and, and they can be bought on, on you know, on, on online e-commerce sites like Tokopedia and you know, Shopee and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, you'll see a lot of the products that we create are mass products, but the way it's being delivered and what we're, how we're trying to read things, um, you know, is a lot more mindful. But it's all a work in progress. And if, if, if a mindful auditor was to, supposed to come into our company and audit it, uh, there'd be a lot of loopholes. There'd be a lot of gaps that need to be closed. So, um, so yeah. yeah. But well, yeah, on our way. Hopefully, hopefully. Thank you so much. We'll put in the description for, for your link and your process in the description below. Thank you so much, Uda, for sharing. I want to do, I know we're running out of time and we're a little bit out of time, but I want to do a quick fire round question, which you also suggested and i've done this two times and it has always been fun um are you up to do it for i'm up for, let's let's do it yes i'm so excited so i have prepared um five words uda that i felt resonated to you or to how i perceive you and your social media and you can say either a word or a sentence but the catch here is to say it as quickly as possible and as the first thing that comes to your mind Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see how quick I am. I'm not very quick, but let's see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's start. Um, the first word, fashion. Fast. Now, when I say the word fast, it's because I want everything to move from being from fast fashion to more tailored and customized fashion because you have no idea how much wastage there is with, within the fashion industry every single day, every single day. And it's these huge brands uh, you know, you, we know those brands, we know those huge fashion brands that create like thousands of quantities of at cheap price um, at sweatshops in Bangladesh and Indonesia and underpaying everybody. It's going to ruin the environment and it's and, and, and people's livelihoods. So I want us to move away from fast fashion to slow and customized fashion. That's mm-hmm. I actually have a, a podcast with a friend who does circular fashion as well i'll give the description to you at a link later awesome. fantastic second mm-hmm. passion passion compassion compassion oh compassion compassion is um putting others ahead of ahead of ourselves um to me compassion really is um uh um uh really understanding somebody's pain, uh, what somebody's uh, going through, and giving them concession for that. So when you say the word compassion, I should say the word concession. And when I say the word concession, it means that um, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to understand, and I'm not going to use it against you, but I'm going to use it for you. Somebody who's not compassionate, right, is that when you know somebody's weakness, you're going to exploit that, right? true yeah but when you're compassionate and you know somebody's weakness you help them rise above that that's yeah. compassion that's powerful thank you third word fitness ah fitness i aspire to be fit and i think without our health 
um, you know, you can't, you know, that's why I love about you with, with yoga and mindfulness and all that sort of stuff, right? Uh, without our health, we shouldn't be preaching. I, I just, I just, if you can't take care of yourself, you shouldn't put pressure to take care of other people. You shouldn't be put in a position to take care of the company. You shouldn't be put in a position to take care of children. You shouldn't be put in a position to take care of other people. You should be able to take care of yourself first and then thereafter, um, uh, you know, take care of others. But when I talk, when you talk about fitness, you kind of relate it to like, you know, like having a six pack or healthy and having a good, you know, um, resting heart rate and all that stuff. But that's not just fitness. Fitness is mental, mental also. Um, and fitness is for the mind too. Um, and knowing and being able to um, recognize when you're on a low, recognize when you're on a high, giving people concession when they're on highs and lows in terms of mental health. And there's an, another aspect of fitness also, and that is spiritual fitness too. Um, and whether it's, uh, and, 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 and for me, spiritual fitness is probably the most important aspect that I need to work on because my intellect, my intellect takes me from here to there. And that's where, um, uh, uh, what I see, if you know what I mean. And most important in this world is what I don't see, mm -hmm. right? That would take me from there to there. And that's what we call belief. Uh, belief in something greater than what we can see, belief in something more powerful than who we are. And that's what, you know, that's an area that I need to work on, which is my spiritual fitness. So fitness is not just lifting weights and getting on the treadmill or going for a run. And it's not um, just mental fitness also, yeah. highs, lows, depression, and happiness and sadness and contentment. But it's also um, spirituality too and believing in something just greater. That's beautiful. More purposeful. So holistic. Thank you, Uno, for sharing. Fourth word, friendships. Oh, friendships. Um, friendships are as valuable as family, I would say. Um, we should always... Um, Oh God, to me, I've had friends who I've known since, um, you know, I, I was obviously I was at kindergarten who still reach out to me and say, are you okay, Wimpy? Are you doing well? Are you, you know? Um, and, and likewise, one, one important thing about friendship, right, is that we often, we often leave it to others to make the move, mm -hmm. right? Oh, that person should be checking up on me. That family member, I, you know, and this is just a, a really bad example of me right I kind of like I'm the youngest member of my family so I've got an older brother and I've got an older sister and then it's me right and I kind of think okay because they're older they should always be asking me are you okay are you well what's up with you and they are always doing that with me they're always asking me hey Wimpy haven't heard from you for a while are you okay are you well are you that sort of stuff right and then I realized oh my god it should reciprocate just because they're older than me, just because they looked out for me when I was younger, right? Doesn't mean that I can't look out for them now that they're older. So I learned that even, even though I am the youngest in the family, I should ask them how they are, right? And that goes with friendship too. There should be no such thing as, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, just because they're in that position or that position or whatever. No, when we're friends, we're all equal and we should all. And so... I, I would advise everybody here today, um, whoever that person is, that friend is that you have, you make that first move. And 
don't you don't need their reply to come ask them again are you okay are yeah. you well you know you should always be the one that's so important for our next step and even for me thank you for reminding that una and the last one <laughs> fifth word books looks books like books to read oh books yes well i'm i'm less focused on reading books right now i'm more focused on writing books um because i've i've realized that i've read so many i've read so many books in my lifetime um you know everything from that you know everything from you know textbooks non-fiction to, to like shakespeare i don't like i'm i'm a I, i'm a huge shakespeare fan um so i've i've been focused on writing a lot of books but i'm writing a lot of books that i hope are, are going to be useful you know as as you know um i you know i've written like class dunia 1 um which i understand you've read um i'm writing class dunia 2 and 3 which means world class 1 2 and 3 i'm i'm in the midst of doing that right now um i am i i'm writing books on how to how you know like they're how to books like okay so the books that i'm writing right now are like how to books like cara menjadi apa uh juara bintang kampus gitu like mm-hmm. how to be the how to be the number one kid on campus because i believe i believe that a lot of people go to university and they have no idea there's no compass there's no direction so creating right now the book is roughly about 500 pages right on how you should um on what you should do to to become a great for example university student right that would incorporate how how to become a great listener how to how to cooperate and work with other students how to uh, be with your professors and your teachers how to be you know to contribute to university organizations how to be a part of the social community how to work how all these different things about campus but then i want i'm going to do that adapt that for high school students right i'm going to adapt that for um s their students to how to be the best you know primary school student how to be the best high school student and then also um cara menjadi ibu terbaik di dunia like how to become the greatest mother on earth because there's no there's no guidebook for that can you imagine that we only get some um, advice from our parents or our friends on how to be the best father how to be the best mother or how to be the best whatever right imagine a, a book that is universal about 500 words right to teach you okay this is what we call that type of parenting this type of parenting um we've interviewed uh so many parents to get this advice to get that advice to get that advice So for example if you're on a mission to become a a, a mother soon that's going to be your guidebook to to become a mother on how to be to parent when the child is you know like a baby through to a toddler through to a teenager <laughs> how do you deal with the teenager right how do you deal with an adult and then we're going to do the father versions how to be the greatest father how to so all these things we we we're literally what what I'm doing is I'm auditing all of the key life stages in our lives right um how how to be the best partner right how to be the best husband or wife or partner like how 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 how, how to become that so we're writing all of these books and um so yeah when you ask books for me right now it's more about writing these books than um <laughs> than than reading them right now but as part of you know writing books you have to read a lot too so so um 
I, I, I really want to help people at the most important life stages of their life. And even there's one book um, that's currently being written too. It's called Tara Move On. How to move forward. Um, because I've, I, I find that to be the case with a lot of people, right? That they get into a relationship, right? And then that relationship dissolves. And then you're not able to move on for six months or one year or two years. Some people aren't able to move on from a relationship for five years or eight years or 10 years because they're still holding on to like past angst and anger and anxiety and relationship was and you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and all these different things, right? That they're not able to move on from those relationships. Um, and so that book uh, is all about how to move on wholly, completely and healthily which a lot of people would need to do once they get a divorce, once they, uh, you know, suffer a breakup and, and whatever. And so I just wanted to give these particular handbooks and life books to people at different stages of their lives. So I, you know, I, I hope to be making meaningful books and content. Thank you so much. That's so inspiring. I would <laughs> really appreciate and looking forward to reading those books. And I just want to take this moment to tell you that you're writing Class Dunia and me reading it, especially the, the purpose chapter, Satukan Tujuan, has really helped me create and start this podcast and sharing about mindfulness because you said in your book that I can write and scribble and, and just write everything down. And I literally wrote, I want to help improve people's life so they can be better in the society and whatever they're doing. And that is genuinely from reading your chapter and reading it in the time of my life that I was not sure. I was in the quarter life crisis. I went all the way to Amsterdam to really step back and figure out what is it really that's important in my life. And you have helped me and guide me through that. So I would definitely, definitely need to read your other books in my other life stages. So thank you so much, Uda, for doing what you are doing and saying. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, Sammy, the lessons only come to you when you're ready for it. Right, and I'm amazed that the book was ready for you at, at 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 your tender age. It probably wasn't ready for me until my age, at you know, at 44 or so. So, um, you know, it, 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 the the book has come to you at a relatively young age, and and, and I'm, I'm I'm happy for that that you're able to um you know digest it and translate that into you know real life actions. Um, and let me just close off by saying how proud I am of you. Um that um you know you started what was initially a podcast but then now you've got a um a vlog or a um you know or, or these video interviews because as i you know as 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 i said to you um a, a lot of communication is done via uh you know visually um and you're going to get a lot more um from these interviews by doing it um, from a visual standpoint and so will your audience uh your content is uh, amazing it's valuable and i hope uh, our discussion today has helped a lot of people. Um, and one thing that you need to understand also is that sometimes you're going to ask yourself, you know, what is really your purpose in this world? Right, Sammy? Um, and I'm going to tell you what I believe your purpose is, and it doesn't have to correspond with what your purpose is. Some people's purpose in life is to um, go through traumas and crises. Okay? Is to go through those particular traumas and crises some person may have gone through for example rape they've gone through that trauma that that crime they've gone through right and it and and it eats them up every day it, it consumes them and all that sort of stuff right but 
you as a platform, right, you have the power to amplify that message and teach the world. And through that particular experience of rape or trauma, you can, you can, you, you can communicate that to a broader audience, right? And use that platform for doing so. Another person may have gone through another type of issue, right? Which could have been human trafficking, right? Or which could have been um, any other, any other, uh, you know, any other thing, right? Uh, whether it's gender issues, whether it's race issues, whether it's legal issues, whether it's defamation, whether it's all these, whatever issues that they've gone through, they, can, can, uh, they could have gone through that. But you now have the power as somebody who knows how to ask questions, as somebody who is mindful, who is intentful, who is intelligent, who can communicate bilingually perfectly, you can communicate English perfectly, you can communicate Indonesian perfectly. So you have that, you're a particular vessel and you're a particular vehicle that can amplify somebody's experiences, somebody's wisdom, somebody's learning, somebody's lessons to a broader audience. So I would ask, I would request, and I would really encourage you to stay on this path and stay on this journey. Because it is very, um, you are a very engaging person. So I would really recommend that you stay on this journey and just continue to create this wonderful, uh, beneficial uh, content for the world to really uh, consume and learn from and grow with. Grow with. Thank you, Uda. I'm at loss at words, but genuinely, I heard every word and I heard the beautiful intention behind it. Thank you so much for your kind words for me and also for sharing to our listeners and our audience today in this podcast. Until next time, Uda, thank you so much. Namaste, I hope you will stay well. Namaste. Thank you so much, Sunny. Thank you. Hi, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like or found any insight from my conversation with Uda Wempi, please kindly follow me on Spotify or subscribe on my YouTube channel, Samara Fahrana, so you can have more insights about how to improve your life and well-being in future episodes of Meditate with Samara. Thank you so much.